0: You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Well, welcome, everybody. We are so glad you're here with us today at Beyond the Ordinary. We are here today with my friend, Max Cherzhnev. Max is the chairman of the Russian Trade and Economic Development Council, We're going to talk about that today. We're also going to talk about Max Capital, where Max runs one of the few venture capital funds in Russia. And he is also the vice president of the Harvard Club of Russia. Max and I got to know each other through our time at Harvard Business School together in the same cohort, PLD 17. We have to give all our friends a shout out over there. Such a tight knit group. We all got to know each other so well. One of the most important things we were learning in our time there was this idea of expanding our definition of us. And I went into HBS as this kid from Indiana, the Midwest, that didn't have much of a global network. And really, the only thing I knew about Russia at the time was what I'd learned from watching Rocky IV. Like, that was it. And so... Going into HBS, being with this cohort, I remember the very first day Max came up, incredibly gregarious, introduced himself, said, hi, I'm Max, and we headed off. So this is just an incredible guy. Max, I'm so thankful you're here with us today. I know our audience is going to be really excited to hear from you. And my hope is that some of our audience out there, that really the only thing they've Ever experienced with Russia is either watching Rocky IV or all the political discourse that we get to see on our media, kind of day in and day out. And my hope today is that they get a sense of kind of the true Russia that I've gotten to know through you, just some of the wonderful people that are there. You're just such a down to earth guy, but you've really built
1: uh, yourself up from nothing. So, Max, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you much, Tommy. And that's really honor for me to be here. I do believe that our HBS community and our HBS network is very supportive. So it's a great time to be here.
0: I want to get right into your story and I want to let our listeners know what they're going to hear about today is just kind of this incredible path where you went from nothing to building multiple successful investment enterprises, but going beyond that into actually realizing your passion as an entrepreneur and what that means for really the greater world that you are trying to pull together on behalf of a lot of the Russian companies that you get the pleasure to help guide into the future as a global enterprise. So, so thankful to have you here. Max, let's start out. Uh, You were telling me about going to university and your parents gave you a little bit of money every
1: month. How much did they give you? A bit less than $100 per month hundred. Yeah, it was kind of enough for surviving that time in the capital of Siberia, in Novosibirsk.
0: That was your head start in life, $100 per month to get you through
1: university. Max, what part of Russia do you live in? Currently, I'm living in Moscow, but I was born in Novosibirsk, which is the capital of Siberia. And it takes you the same distance. To fly to Novosibirsk is to fly to London from Moscow, for example, just for our audience to understand the distances.
0: So you're about the same distance outside of Moscow as London is, where you grew up in Siberia. Exactly. So you come out of university, and
1: what was your first job? Well, during my university time, I was a trainee in Procter & Gamble, and I got quite good salary there, and I even didn't know what to do because... It was enough for me, 100 bucks was enough. So I didn't know what to do with 1,000 and half per month. So I, I just had it in my account. So
0: you saved all your income from Procter & Gamble. And then the next job you got, I think was in politics, correct?
1: Yep. I was very active in student time and different student activities like student union of our academy, student union of the city, and then political campaigning as a part of like marketing job, marketing activity, which we were doing.
0: So as a student, you were actually running some marketing for some political campaigns and earning money that way as well. Yep. Wow. Okay. So you're you able to save up this money because you were fine living on $100 per month. You save up this money. And I loved how you said it. You're like, well, I could have bought a car. I could have done this. Instead, you decided to do something that was pretty life-changing with it. What was that?
1: I thought about real estate. I don't know. Why? I read a lot. By the way, I read a lot. Some your ex-president's book about real estate. And uh, I was inspired that I need to have real estate. I don't know where, I don't know how, but I need to have it. I was looking around. We didn't have any website that time. And I was just looking around in the downtown of Novosibirsk what is going to be my first real estate, a piece of real estate. And they bought it.
0: So there was no Zillow at the time. There was no, you know, commercial real estate broker that you were working with. You just went and found a property. And I think as you explained to me, it was really a storefront and you were able to rehab that storefront. And then over your twenties and thirties, you leveraged that into
1: a lot more property. So what did that turn into? Well, It was a long, long story, step by step, one property, another, second, third, fourth, etc. Then a floor in the building, and then an old building, and then an old hotel, and to reconstruct it as well. And finally, it came to be five hotels, and roughly about 50,000 square meters altogether.
0: So over time, you went from nothing to $100 a month at university to saving up your earnings as a trainee at Procter & Gamble to then ultimately having over 5,500 square meters of real estate that you owned and were developing. It's an absolutely incredible story of what people can do if they do a good job with the real estate that they purchase. So... Awesome. What I love about your story, Max, is you didn't stop there. You built up this incredible real estate empire in Siberia from nothing. And then you realize you have a passion for
1: politics. Where did that come from? I came actually from my childhood. My father was involved in politics of Komsomol, we called it that time. And I looked, I lived in it. The first part of me before 90s. And during 90s, my father became entrepreneur. And that's why it came from him to be entrepreneur. So I really wanted to go politics and to do something positive to people, to be elected, to provide some some good stuff for all community around, and to do something important there. And it didn't work.
0: (laughs) I love how you said it. He said it didn't work. And, you know, when we were talking earlier, I loved how you compared it to the journey that Abraham Lincoln went on, where he ran for office, ran for office, it was constantly uh, no, didn't get elected, didn't get elected. And then finally has his big break. And, and that happened to you as well. So what was your big break when you first finally got to get a foothold into the political arena?
1: Yeah, it's exactly the whole story of Abraham Lincoln as I read it that time. So 22, I was going for the state Doom of Russian Federation for the election, and then the local parliament, regional parliament, etc. But finally, I became the member of community chamber of the region. I fought. Everybody was fed up with my attempts to be elected, and I was appointed two times to be the member of community chamber at 26 and 28 years old.
0: Love it. So you've built up real estate, now you're actively involved in politics, and, and you really had this sense kind of all along, and this is part of your story that inspires me so much, Max, because I, I had to develop this. It didn't come naturally for me. You just always had this global sense of there's got to be something bigger if we can pull the world together. Part of that is in, I can barely speak English, and you can speak four different languages. What are those? Well, it's German, Chinese, and Russian. German, Chinese, Russian, and English. And I can barely do English. So, you know, you've always had this global sense, and that's ultimately what led you to Harvard Business School. So, how did you
1: decide to go do, go pursue that? The way to Harvard Business School was very difficult. So, first of all, you never think about Harvard Business School when you live in Novosibirsk, in the capital of Siberia. It's very something far away, something incredibly and unreachable for you. And I was really pushed by my friends. At my 30s, like exactly when I became 30, I thought, I need business education. I need the best business education in the country. And I choose the best education in the country, which is named Skolkaraw. And my friends pushed me. Would you like to go abroad? Would you like to get the best education in the world? I said, yes, but how can I get there? And they said, just apply, just apply, just apply. And it was too much push from outside. And I said, okay, 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 I will apply. And I did it, and it was still scary. And I remember when I flew to Boston, and it was scary, and what is going to happen in Harvard Business School? Who are going to be there? Will my English be enough to survive there and to explain myself? That was really, really the first steps to HBS.
0: You know, maybe that's why you and I got along, Max. I remember getting dropped off uh, for our first cohort, and my wife actually flew out to Boston with me and you know we're like walking up i remember i'm holding her hand and i felt like a kindergartner getting dropped off at school i was like so nervous uh, am i going to fit in all those just crazy feelings that uh, you know we all go through at some point or another but you certainly held your own and, and did a great job in our cohort so through this time at harvard business school you go into this capstone course that's really about finding your true north and you said that was very much
1: life-changing for you. You know, what was it about that was life-changing for you? Yep. We were connected in one group of eight people where we shared with everyone in the group the whole story of the life and the passion. And it was like, what did you dream about? What did you dream about at the age of five years old in real childhood? And like my dreams was, I read different books, that's why I know Abraham Lincoln, I've read Churchill, i read uh, Bismarck, I, I've read lots of Russian books as well. And I thought about connecting the world somehow. You know, I lived in the middle of Siberia, but like, I dreamed to have friends in different countries, I dreamed to connect with different countries, and through my 20s I went for it. And I thought I want to do something for my country and to connect it to the world. And that was the passion. And the cause, finding your true north, helped me to understand that regardless of like circumstances, of where you are and what position you have, if you have a dream, just fulfill it. I actually became, I became the advisor to the minister of regional development of Russian Federation with responsibility to connect regions of Russia with nearby countries of Russia.
0: So Max, what you just said is pretty profound. So even as a young child, you were thinking about how can I connect Russia with the rest of the world? And then in this course, Finding Your True North. And for our audience, this is something that an executive that I have just profound respect for, a gentleman named Bill George, former CEO of Medtronic, really did an incredible turnaround through Medtronic. And so for us in the healthcare world, he's just been awesome. And as we were going through that, I actually picked up the phone and called Bill and he was willing to take my call and do just a personal discussion on leadership development. It was just a, an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful for that. You know, through this, you went back to Russia and became very proactive and went after it and became an advisor to the Minister of Regional Development of the Russian Federation. And, And the responsibility of that ministry was really to connect Russian businesses with all of the bordering areas of Russia, which that in itself is quite a feat. That ministry actually ended up getting closed And then I love it. At that moment, a lot of people would just quit. And instead, Max leveraged that into one of the most critical things he's done in his career. So what was it that you did at the
1: time that that ministry got closed, Max? So during the ministry, we've found that business of Russia, they want to go abroad and they want to deal with foreign companies. And sometimes they don't know how to do it and how to start. And we thought it should be something like trade promotion organization. We searched everything around, and we found a good example, Hong Kong Trade Development Council. And that's why we were thinking about Russian Trade Economic Development Council. And as far as the ministry was closed, we decided to do it ourselves. It was against caring. This
0: is incredible. You actually helped found the Russian Trade and Economic Development Council, with the idea of helping promote Russian businesses
1: and developing a global presence. That's just incredible. Yeah, and it was for us very interesting. So we knew that we are connected with the countries and we understood that it's easier to support global growth of Russian companies. But for Russian companies, it is really good to have this vision. Absolutely, And also I can add here that Seven years after, like now it's seven years after when IDDC is launched. I think it was a great step, and I'm glad that we managed to do it and we managed to start this work because through us, hundreds and hundreds of companies went through. So for our audience, what I've come to
0: understand is the way they set this up was similar to an incubator type concept that you might see in a lot of economic development communities throughout America.
1: That's what they had set up. So Max, tell us about some of the successes that have come out of that. Well, there are lots. First of all, we went to 25 countries and we found our representative in 25 countries. So we made delegation of Russian businesses to all that countries before the COVID time. And every delegation was either exhibition or business mission. And then it turned out to have contracts directly with supplying to the countries. Some of companies, they opened branches, others found dealers and distributors, and it worked. What's your most exciting success
0: story that's come out of that?
1: I would say like the most inspiring uh, stories are about some, some faraway countries. We have very good connections to Indonesia and we managed to sell to Indonesia Russian producers of food because they just don't have that type of food and that's why they bought it, they tried it, and they liked it.
0: Love it. Is that your best success story that's come out of it? Like, what's When you're out talking about what you do, through the RTEDC, what's the story that you usually point to to talk about how successful it's been?
1: It's very interesting because we have now divisions. We have different divisions. We have transportation division. We have energy sector division, like with energy producers. We have digital division with digital. Like Digital, it actually went very fast through last three years. And when we wanted to move digital, we went through 25 countries simultaneously as a roadshow. And that was a very good story as well. So digital is growing rapidly.
0: So Max, you just mentioned the digital division. So I like what you guys did. And and for some of our listeners trying to think about how to establish an incubator, how to work with an incubator, any of our founders, I like what you guys did. You kind of structured your incubator into different divisions. And again, it's not exactly an incubator, but a similar concept And one of those divisions was the digital division, because you guys really had a sense you could accelerate global expansion for that digital division. And that really led to creating the Digital Economic Development Fund. And this was not an investment fund, I believe. Instead, it was services that you provide specifically to those digital companies.
1: Is that an accurate understanding? Yes, exactly. So first of all, we did this digital promotion for the companies. And then we found out that it needs to be separately somehow founded. And we launched this division as a subsidiary company for RTDC and called it Digital Economy Development Fund. The main idea of the fund is to connect companies with our connections, with our network, with corporations, with institutes around, and to help them grow inside the country as well.
0: And who provides the funding for the Digital Economic Development Fund?
1: Mostly there are corporations who wants to build a pipeline of the new ideas and new companies, and they actually need the scouting and they need to find these companies and to work correctly with them. So Digital Economy Development Fund helps with that. So it's funded by some of the larger corporations in throughout Russia. Yeah, exactly. Now it has agricultural corporations, it has industry corporations. So all of that is structured into different paths, like 10 different divisions, and all of them are looking for best startups in the country.
0: Got it. And then through the outgrowth of the services you were providing to these digital companies, I like how you said it, out of the services that were being provided through the Digital Economic Development Fund, you really came to believe that most of those companies, most of those tech companies either needed connections, or they needed money, or they needed both. But they had great teams and they had great ideas. And that ultimately led very recently to the founding of Max Capital. And through Max Capital, you really created one of the first venture capital funds to really specialize in Russian digital companies that have a desire to expand globally. And I think for our listeners, what a cool niche for a venture fund to just be focused, laser focused on Seed-stage technology companies in Russia that have a clear desire to expand globally. Just an incredible concept. How did you ultimately decide to actually launch Max Capital?
1: Thank you, Tommy. That's a really good question. So we, in Digital Economy Development Fund, we thought, okay, like startups, they need investors. And we created Investment consortium. firstly, just to connect startups. Uh, Sorry, investment what? Investment consortium, we called it investment consortium within Digital Economy Development Fund. So just connect weekly startups and investors. And then we, we looked for this and some investors, they came to us and said, could you invest instead of us? Could you choose the companies instead of us? And could you make all this job because it takes too much time to make the investments? During my Harvard time, I've seen lots of examples of invest funds. Like lots of our friends, they have or they work in an fund. And your example is very motivated as well. Could we launch a fund which supports global expansion of Russian companies who is created to be global? Because, you know, in Russia, it's kind of difficult to create a global startup. Why? First of all, because of language. And then, secondly, because of mentality and the market. So only if you create a startup to be global then it's going to be global. I loved how you said one of the biggest
0: problems for tech companies in Russia is that if they get their investment capital from corporate venture capital funds inside of Russia, it almost goes hand in hand that they will not be able to go global. And so I love that you have created this niche where you expect these companies to go global. That's just such a different expectation. And Max was telling me about some of these businesses and he said, you know, one of the best tests I have if are they serious about going global is when I look at their website, when we first see this business, if their materials are only in Russian, I know they're not serious yet, but if they've already figured out how to translate their materials into other languages, then I know that they're serious about global expansion. And I thought, what a great due diligence test for these businesses. It's so cool. But Max, there's one of the things you told me is you were thinking about this for a long time. You were thinking about launching a fund for a long time and something finally
1: gave you enough downtime to actually pursue it. What happened? I guess it's COVID because during COVID time, everybody of us had enough time to think. And that's really true. During my Harvard time, everyone around was involved in the investments, either invest funds or something like this, and I thought, why we don't have this in Russia?" or why I am not involved in this in Russia. And when I started to think about it, my Harvard connections here were very supportive as well. I talked a lot to our friends who work in different invest funds inside of the country and also connects with global. Arab world, Italy, Canada, just to understand how this venture capital world works and what are the companies and what are the niches for Russian companies, which can be taken and can be done globally.
0: Max, that's really inspiring for me to hear that during COVID, you actually made a decision to launch what's become a very important technology fund in Russia. And, you know, one of my mentors sat me down at the beginning of COVID. This was, a you know, when we'd first kind of all entered quarantine together. You know, our friends in Italy were locked inside and waving their Italian flags throughout their balconies. And during that time period, my mentor sat me down. He said, you know, look, how are you going to come out of this better and not worse? And certainly that's what you did. You took that time and instead of just being down the entire time, you actually used it to launch some of the dreams that you had not had time to pursue prior to that. So just a really inspiring, absolutely inspiring. I love the next part of the story, Max, where you launch this fund and like immediately investors come to you and they're like, "Uh, hey, here's $10 million. It just shows the level of trust you had built up with your investor group. And so just to be clear for our listeners, this is Max is not seeking to raise capital. You know, that's not what this episode is about. He's already raised the 10 million. They're looking to deploy that now. And then after they deploy that, he'll go raise more capital. But he's already got people lined up
1: saying, we want to invest when you're ready. Because they just trust the guy. Yes, that's really true, Tommy. Because deploying the capital is also hard work. And now we understand the due diligence of the companies and understanding the companies. Is It takes really time and it takes your vision and understanding of how this Venture Capital world works.
0: Well, I love this story. We don't get to talk to Russians every day in America. So listeners, I'm so glad you can get a chance to just meet down to earth, awesome guy across the globe. You know, as I mentioned at the very beginning, really the only exposure I had to Russia prior to meeting Max was Rocky Four, which is not necessarily the great starting place. You know, I shouldn't say that. I also have a piece of the Berlin Wall that was given to me by uh, my grandmother. And so I cherish that. I actually have that in my office just as a part of that broader sense of bringing the globe together, tearing down those walls that were keeping us apart. I'm so honored for friendship with a guy like Max. And Max, just to kind of end on a fun story, and then I'm going to ask uh, the two questions we always ask at the end of every episode. But one of the things you said, I asked you, what do you do for fun? You know, and I thought it would be some like Olympic sport or something. And, And what you responded is, you know, you'd always wanted to do something. And at the age of 37,
1: you set out to learn how to do what? Thank you, Tommy. And actually, I wanted to make a flip since my childhood. It was just a childish dream. And I thought, why I teach my kids to do what they dream, and I don't fulfill my kids' dreams. And I decided to make this slip. So at the age of 37, you learn how to flip.
0: Is this a front flip or a back flip? Uh, It's a front flip only. A front flip. A front flip only. Well, that's definitely more than I can do, Max. You know, I'm going to take us to our wrap-up segment, which is where I ask two questions. The first question that I always like to ask is the question that all of our listeners are wanting to know based on what you've
1: already shared. And, and this is what I think it is. Have you seen Rocky Four? Yes, I have seen, but actually it's not so something very popular and it's not something you remember about. Got it. So... So now we're going to move into the segment where I
0: get to ask the question that I think everybody wants to know. And Max, today, what I want to
1: know is, tell us about your family. It's a big story. I have quite a big family with like five kids. You have five children? Yes. And how old are your children? They are 10, 7, 5, 4, 3. And what
0: is life like on a daily basis for your family?
1: Daily basis? First of all, every day, it's a morning exercise. Kids is there saying, oh no, father, no, half past six. But it, it's a must. The kids have to exercise with you. Yes. I love it. All right. So the day starts out with exercise. What comes next? When we have a breakfast all together and everybody going for like school or work on their own. And then in the evening, again, the whole family is back and everyone is at the table.
0: You know, Max, what's fun for me is it it really sounds like your family life isn't too far different than uh, probably most of our listeners, albeit I don't know many friends that get up and exercise with all their children, especially not all 5 of them. But I love hearing that. You know, the, the way that Max and I were brought together was through a program where one of the greatest goals, as I mentioned earlier, was expanding our definition of us taking it away from you know centric to just our little group of friends or our little community or our former alma mater and really expanding that to this global definition of humanity that at the end of the day people have met all over the globe most of us want the same things just kind of a better life for our children and just a great life for ourselves and so we're so thankful that you know through Mammoth, we're able to invest in healthcare in a way that hopefully is going to make a really meaningful impact for the globe. I'm sure proud of Max and his desire to take Russia and expand it globally to help these businesses grow and expand their definition of us in terms of what their customer base can look like. And it's just such an honor to have you. So Max, the real question I think that everybody's asking is if they want to keep up to date on your fund and what you're doing or on the Russian Trade and Economic Development Council and what you're doing there or the Digital Economic Development Fund, how could somebody stay up to date on those things? Is there a digital footprint that they can go follow or like or anything
1: like that? Yeah. Thank you very much, Tommy. I want to say that firstly, if you want to deal with Russia, we are here in moscow and russian trade economy development council is here to support either a russian company going global or international company coming to russia and that's really good to come to russia it's 10th largest market in the world so if you think about developing your business russia is a good place don't be scared as i was when i went to harvard business school and then about max capital i do believe that we have a quite a big portion of startups in Russia, which can go globally, and Max Capital is going to support it. And so, if you want to see Russian pipeline of startups, and to choose among them, welcome. We are ready to share it, to show it. Max Capital is always 24 hours, globally, global time. So, how do they find you? How do they find you online? MaxCapital.ch My last name is Cheroshnev or it's better for American mind to understand cherish, like cherishnev. So, maxcapital.ch. So, maxcapital.ch is where you can
0: go to keep tabs on the Max Capital Fund. You can go there to see what's happening in really the Russian startup scene. Well, Max, we are so thankful that you've joined us. This has just been awesome. Thanks for reaching out. And what an incredible thing that we can reach out to one another from across the globe these days. And for our listeners, we're so thankful to have you here. Hope this has been educational to get a taste of kind of the real world of Russia that we don't necessarily see on Rocky Four or in the news day in and day out when all we're hearing about is politics. Love hearing about Max's family and everything he's trying to build for his country. Sure, I'm proud of him and everything he's up to. And we look forward to having you back on Beyond the Ordinary.
1: Tommy, first thank you very much for accepting me here because that's very inspirational. And your whole life is also very inspirational for me. And I'm happy that HBS connected us. Thank you very much. And welcome to Russia. I love it. Thanks for listening
0: to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc.